know that uh, you guys are going to do a phenomenal job uh, taking over this location and uh, we believe that the most fruitful years of this congregation are still ahead of it. I have no doubt about that. So uh, can we give him a great big hand of welcome? You guys will be sensational. Uh, but I've got two messages left in me. <laughs> so lock the doors. So I've got about a four-hour message here and four hours next week. <laughs> so no, I, uh, two, two messages. So even though I'm sticking with the, the theme... Um, uh, if you're not, uh, I encourage you to be here next week as well. And the final, the 14th will be a, our farewell service, and then it'll be more a, just a celebration of everything that's happened over the last uh, 20 years. Uh, not really just a farewell of us, but a celebration of of all that God's done in this place and in the inner west over 20 years. And uh, it is absolutely astonishing uh, what God has done. The number of people that have come to Christ. The, number of water baptisms, the number of healings, the number of miracles, the number of changed lives, marriages, baby dedications. Uh, so, so much to be thankful for uh, to God and grateful for every single person over that time uh, who has invested into the, the house of God, the church. Uh, there's no greater investment. There's no greater calling. There's no greater uh, thing that we can do than to be part of God's mission in the world and bring our gifts, our skills, our talents, our abilities to see the kingdom of God extended in the world. And so uh, we're going to celebrate that, all that God's done. And uh, I know a few people who are still around Sydney. Uh, there's people all over the world that have been part of this congregation. We've been getting a lot of messages from people, a lot of people saying the best the best church experience of their lives was when they were at C3 Roselle. And we've got that, uh, well, I gave that to Nick and Nick gave that to me. <laughs> no, but from lots of people. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the legacy and the impact that you guys have had uh, in so many people's lives, and you, some of you will know many of them or you may have friends or maybe you've only been coming here for a little while. Uh, this is an incredible church. It's an incredible community. Of faith, and as I said, I honestly believe uh, its most fruitful years of ministry are still ahead of it. So that's exciting. So uh, the message this morning is called "For Light." Uh, why Jesus? For light. I want to uh, just read a couple of or three scriptures. So Matthew four sixteen says this: "The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light." Has dawned. Uh, John 1 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. John 8 12, I am the light. This is Jesus speaking. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, you know, Light as a metaphor, as an analogy through the scriptures is, is uh, quite clear. And uh, Jesus obviously uses that for himself. And uh, it's quite poignant because light is essential for life. Uh, very little can live and very little happens without light. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where it's really, really dark. Uh, in my uh, teenage years, I was part of an adventurer group and we would uh, do overnight um, hiking and 
camping and caving and all kinds of stuff. But uh, when you're hiking in the dark through the bush, it really uh, impedes your progress. The amount of pace that you're able to achieve when it's dark is significantly less than when it's light. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about you, but oftentimes. I'm 51 years old now. Oftentimes I've got to get up in the night for various reasons. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but have you ever got up in the night? I don't know how many times I've got up in the night and tripped over something. Anybody else? Tripped over a bag that one of the kids has left out. Tripped over something else that's left out. <laughs> the coal's looking at me because... <laughs> I don't know how many times I've tripped over the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> For some reason, she has a habit leaving it just outside the door. <laughs> and so I walk up, oh, damn! <laughs> or I, I don't know how many times I've kicked the side of the bed. Anyone done that? You're trying to get, it's dark and you're looking and right in the shin. Oh! So many times. How much easier is it when there's light than when there's dark? Uh, And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I'm the light. So Jesus, therefore, is the light, allows us to see. And you might say, well, I can already see. We've got the sun. When the sun comes up, we can see. We move about. We do what we want to do. But obviously, Jesus is not referring to physical light when he talks about the light of the world, what he's saying is, I'm the one that allows you to see truth. Without me, you cannot see the truth about who you are. I want to look at two things. Without Jesus, without his light shining in our world, firstly, we are unable to see the truth about who we are. And secondly, we are unable to see the truth about who God is unless his light shines on our life. So first I want to look at the truth about ourselves. Without light, without Jesus revealing to us who we are or why we're here or our value, our purpose, our sense of significance, we grope in the dark searching to hold on to something that will give meaning to our life. And everybody does it. You know, as a teenager, I was saying before, I did a lot of, um, uh, I was part of an adventure group. And one of the things that happened one day, we were deep inside a cave and uh, we'd gone all the way in and we we're all working our way back and you'd traverse through ropes and things like that. Anyway, I was the, at the top of this, uh, this uh, five metre drop and, uh, and I was holding on as I was starting to let myself over the, over the edge and I slipped and I fell five metres into a dark chasm where there was no light. And I hit the ground. I was about 17 years of age. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where it is so dark you cannot see anything at all. Not only can you not only see anything, I'd fallen, I'd hit walls, I'd gone down. We hadn't come down that way, so I'd fallen down another uh, cavity. Uh, I'd hit the ground all I knew was that fortunately there was sand there and there was water running through there. So I was laying in water. I'd fallen on sand, but I, I was disorientated. I didn't know where I was. It was 
completely pitch dark. I could not see a thing. I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. That is a scary moment because you don't know where you are. You don't know if you're lost. And you know, oftentimes in our lives, when we don't have the light of Jesus, of the gospel, exposing and showing us who we are, we live life like that, scared, frightened, groping, trying to hold on to things that will give us meaning, give us purpose, give us value, give us significance. We're reaching and groping. And Jesus says, when I come, I will show you who you are. One of the things that we do uh, in this world uh, without Jesus, and oftentimes when we have Jesus as well, is we're usually trying to find value, trying to find significance, trying to find purpose. We settle on performance-based comparisons because we're trying to work out my value. My, so we begin to compare ourselves to other people or we, we compare our performance or where we're at and we start looking at how much money we earn and we compare to other people to give ourselves a sense of value or we look at uh, their position or their role or uh, we look at um, how much money they've got. We can look at where they live, Instagram, where we compare holidays and we start to try and look for to position ourselves in the world and to create a sense of identity, a a sense of value, a sense of purpose. Because God has put that in us. We need to know who we are. It's eternal. But without Jesus and His Word exposing and showing and revealing to us the truth, then we will grasp at all these other things. And we compare ourselves and if you've got kids, you start, appear, you start comparing your kids' achievements to other parents' achievements so that we can feel good about ourselves as being parents. Or then if they don't perform, then we feel bad about ourselves as being parents. And so we send them off to get smarter <laughs> so we can feel better about ourselves. <laughs> or we send them off to get accomplishments to fill the void of our own sense of lack of value. <laughs> and all the parents are laughing. <laughs> um, but what happens is if we start living by comparison, if we start living by other people's performance or we look to compare, then what happens is we begin to feel important or not important based on our ranking or we start to feel valuable or not valuable based on what we've achieved or we begin to feel... Um, successful or not successful based on how much money we've got in the bank account. And, you know, in the Bible, Jesus never, ever, ever uses measurement as a way of placing value on people. So why do we? Why do we? Um, Yeah, I think that's worth a clap. Somebody clap. (laughs) Our value before God and our, His love for us is not based on our performance. It is not. The Scriptures do not declare that to be true. And He never ever compares us to anybody else in the Scriptures. Our value, our significance, our sense of purpose, destiny, is all tied in what the Bible says is God's image on every single human being. 
It's called the Imago Dei, the image of God that God placed in in humanity. Every single person is born made in the image of God. And he loves us and he values us and he sees us as important and significant and worthy of his attention because we're made in his image. And nothing can take that away. Nothing can take that away. Um, All human beings are loved and are valued by God, whatever their capacity or incapacity, whatever their ability or disability, whatever their advantages or disadvantages. They make no difference to God. They do not impact his love, his concern, his favour, his blessing, his desire for our life. Every human being is valuable before God. Every human being is significant. Every single human being, God desires to live a rich, whole, full life. Whether you're able or disabled, Advantaged or disadvantaged, it makes no difference. We look to the light revealed in Jesus to know who we are. When we start comparing, we devalue ourselves. Because if you compare yourself to someone's better, you feel bad about yourself. And if you compare yourself to someone worse, you feel good about yourself. But you're the same person. And so I want to encourage you to look to God's Word to know who you are in God's eyes and the value that you have. Not because of what you do, but because of who you are. You are special. You are important. You are significant. You have value because you're made in the image of God. That's worth celebrating. <laughs> so, and you know, sometimes we feel like there's something more in us. Have you ever felt that? You feel like there's more. You've got more to give. You've got more to do. You feel like God's put something inside of you that is yet to be fulfilled. That is the calling of God. God puts callings. He puts destiny in people's lives. And if we're not careful what happens, if we're comparing or if we're living in this performance-based approach to living, then we will find ourselves restricting ourselves or we'll find ourselves limited or contained by the job descriptions, by the titles that people or ourselves put on ourselves saying that this is who you are and this is what you do. But the reality is... You are not defined by your job description, by your role, by anything else other than the calling and the destiny that God places upon every single human being to live that out, to discover who it is through the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to fulfil it in our lifetime. To not be limited. To not allow definitions and descriptions and roles and titles to limit what we're capable of being and doing in this lifetime. Um, I said before in Scripture, 
The Scriptures never use measurement against other people to define value. What the Scriptures do is that God does assess people, but not on performance. He assesses them on heart. And the Scriptures are replete with stories, analogies, and Scriptures where God says He looks at the heart to assess where a person's at. I'll give you a couple of examples. Matthew 25, there's the parable of the talents. Notice he never compares the people with the talents against each other. He doesn't say, well, the person with the five talents is actually better than the person with the two talents, and the person with the two talents is better than the person with the one talent. He doesn't make that comparison. What he says is, what I have given to you, I am holding you accountable for. What I have invested in you, what I have placed in you, is what I am holding you account with what you do with that. Are you maximising the gifts, the skills, the talents, the callings, the abilities that I've placed within you from the day you were born or even before you were born to rise up and fulfil that purpose, that calling, to have that influence, to change those lives? And so it doesn't matter what other people are doing. It doesn't matter what other people are involved in. It doesn't matter what they're doing. What matters is what has God said to you? What has He called you to do? Where is He challenging you to step up, to step out, to step out of the comfort zone and trust God that you are capable of so much more than you've currently realised, that there is more in you than you ever saw and that what God is able to do in a person that fully opens their heart and says, Lord, here I am. All things are possible. God will look for and use any individual that says, God, with my frailties, with my weaknesses, with my vulnerabilities, with my insecurities, here I am. I lay my life before you. I want to serve you. I want to be all I can be in your name. That is what God is looking for. They are the people that are going to change the world. And if we're not intentional, then we will limit ourselves by comparing ourselves and never actually being who we're called to be and doing what we're called to do. Parable of the talents, look it up, Matthew 25. John 21, 21. It's a story after Jesus has risen from the dead, the disciples have come back and the disciples are all there and they're celebrating and Jesus is sort of, talking and he says to Peter, he, tell, he prophesies over his life, he says, this is what I've called you to do, this is what you're going to do. And then Peter sees John, the apostle, and he goes, Lord, what about him? Comparison. Performance. Well, I'm going to do this, what's he going to do? I'll be better than him, surely. <laughs> and Jesus says, you're an idiot. <laughs> well, that's, that's the Ward Lucas translation. <laughs> He says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to do with you? He's saying, don't worry about John. Don't worry about Andrew. Don't worry about the other disciples. 
Don't worry about the person that's sitting next to you or the family at the back of the church or don't worry about what job they're doing or how much money they're earning or what car they're driving. or Don't worry about any of that stuff. Do, he says, you, to Peter, you must follow me. You must do what I've asked you to do. And that is all that matters. That should be enough to drive us to do everything God's called us to do and to be everything God's called us to be. That we're not living out of a sense of needing to be or keep up with somebody else or something else or live up to the expectations of someone else, whether it be parents, whether it be teachers, whether it be lecturers, whether it be uh, bosses, whatever it is. Not living up to anybody's expectations, but those that God reveals through His light and His Word to be that person. That's what I'm challenging you to do and to be. To be everything God has called you to do, to be and to do. Another example, David. If you remember the story, uh, they're looking for the new king. God sent Saul up to a particular village to a guy who's got seven sons and he says, bring all your sons through and the first son to come through was a, a, a boy by the, or a young man by the name of Eliab and in 1 Samuel 16, 7, uh, the backstory was that Samuel goes, this has got to be the guy. He sees this, the tallest of the brothers, the biggest of the brothers, the best looking, the most impressive physically and he says, this is the guy. And what does the Lord say? He says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. In other words, don't assess people simply by what is on the outside. Because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Wow! The Lord doesn't see as man sees. We feel, in, we feel intimidated in certain circles because of people's profiles or their roles or how many Instagram followers they got or uh, the position that they hold or how much money they got, how much wealth they got, how much fame they got. We feel inferior. We feel insecure. We feel less valuable because of the outward appearances. And the Lord says, I don't even look at people the way the world looks at people. And if we understand what God values, and if we understand what impresses God, if we understand how He rates people, then we will feel a lot more secure and certain and assured and confident in who we are and what we're called to be and to do. Because if God says, I value you, you're important, You are significant. What is inside of you is exceptional. Then what does it matter what anybody else says? If God says, you are amazing. He says, the Lord does not look, does not see as man sees. For man, man looks at the outward appearance. Man judges people by what? achievements they've acquired. Man judges people by how much money they've got. Man values people based on what they've done or achieved 
And I'm not limiting, or I'm not minimising great achievements and great exposés and, and, uh, and wonderful things. I mean, I've got four degrees myself. I value education. I value great achievements. They're to be celebrated. They're to be enjoyed. But they don't make us who we are. They don't define us as a person. The Lord looks at the heart. The heart. That's what matters to God. The heart. What's the motivation? What's going on on the inside? Why are we doing what we're doing? The light. I am the light of the world. Wow, I've got to finish. I've only got through one point. (laughs) I am the light of the world. I'm the light. Those that live in that light. Notice he says those that live in the light. Not those that have heard of the light. Not those that have seen the light. I think sometimes as Christians, we've seen the light, but we don't live in the light. We don't live in the truth of what Jesus says in his word. We don't allow it to penetrate our identity and our sense of value and who we are. Because we're constantly looking for external cues to give us a sense of purpose and value and significance when we don't need those. They're good to have. If you've got them, that's okay. It doesn't minimise us in any way, shape or form. But it does not define who we are. God's word, the light of the gospel, must be, as believers, the central belief or, or be the the centre of what we believe about who we are, why we're here, our significance and purpose and value. You're made in the image of God. The image of Almighty God is in you as a human being. Whether you've got the talent to be a professional athlete, whether you've got Down syndrome, whether you're crippled with arthritis, whether you're an intellect, a lecturer, a professor, a doctor, or whether you're in a a home for disabled people. God does not value people based on performance. Never allow your identity to be based upon what other people say, what other people define, what other titles have been placed or description have been made. You are valuable before God because you have His image on you. And if that's all you have, then that's enough. That's enough. Yeah, that, that is enough. <laughs> I've said enough. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you. Your word, your word is a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. Your word defines us. Your word directs us. Your word illuminates the truth about us. 
and about you. Your word. Your word, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to encourage you. You've got some amazing pastors that are about to transition into the leadership of this congregation. If you've been coming for any period of time, you'll know this. I've told you to get a Bible app and to read your Bible every single day. It's the Word of God that must be central to our lives so that we can know who we are. That we're not groping in the dark for value, getting involved in relationships because we're searching for love in the wrong places or doing things that are not helpful because of an insecurity or a need or something that is missing. Allow His love, His word, His power, His life to fill us so that we can, when our time has come, stand before Him and for Him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did you to do you lived the life I called you to live you knew who you were that's my heart for you the other thing that he does do and look I know there's visitors here and I don't know every one of you but The other thing that the light does, not only does it reveal who we are, but it reveals who God is. Who He truly is. Not who we think He is. Not who we've been told He is. But who He actually is. And Jesus said this. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God is, He is gracious. No matter what you've heard, no matter what you've thought, based on experience or based on events, tragedies, whatever in your life, I'm here to declare to you today, He is good. He is merciful. He is forgiving. He is loving. Say, how do you know that? Because I've met Him. you can too so I want to give you an opportunity here today maybe you've never ever asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour or maybe you have at some point sometime you gave your life to Christ but you're away from God right now and for whatever reason you just went your own way but today you're saying God I need to come back I want to know you again I want to put you first again. If that's you, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour, or you have at some point, but today you want to reaffirm, reconnect, recommit your life to Christ. While every head's bowed, every eye's closed, why don't you just put up your hand as an indicator to God and to me that you mean business. Jesus says, you take a step towards me. 
accept you. So if that's you, just put up your hand so I can see it. We're going to pray at the end of the service and lead you in a prayer that reconnects you with Jesus Christ or brings you into that relationship for the very first time. If that's you, just put up your hand. We're going to pray. Why don't we all stand? We're going to have the prayer team come forward for those that want prayer. Maybe that word challenged you. Maybe it stirred you. Maybe it uh, inspired you and you feel like I want to I just want to pray, I want to connect, I want to, I want to reaffirm something, I want to make a commitment to God or whatever, then uh, the prayer team will be up the front. The band's going to sing a song. We're going to meet out in the cafe afterwards. Have an awesome week. We love you. You are amazing. And uh, God bless you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. What a great service. Let's thank Pastor Ward for that word. Such a great word. Amazing. Powerful preaching this morning. Um, I'm sure that we've all got something to think about this week, hey, going into our week. Well, reminder, next step, our um, next step program pathway starts again next week. So we'd love for you to join us week one next week. It's a great opportunity to just get to know something about our church and our community and get plugged into our community here. I really encourage you to get along to that next week. Um, have an awesome week. Send out an invite to Easter. That'd be awesome. And Pastor Warden Nick's farewell as well on the 14th of April. Um, the prayer team are just going to stay up here a little bit longer and the band will continue playing a little bit longer. So if you want to come for prayer for anything, just feel free to come, come down and these amazing people will pray with you. Um, have a great week. We'll see you soon.
through the night of doubt and sorrow Onward goes the pilgrim band Singing songs of expectation Marching on towards the promised land One voice on lips of thousands One the faith that never ties One the light of God's own presence Lighting up the path in which we tread So Now 
now past as morning comes Chasing Father gloom and terror Singing God Almighty reigns forevermore God Almighty reigns forevermore We 